Testing, testing. Everybody in the place go, woo, Wow, woo. John, I am glad that we did that. <laughs> Why? This is the first time I've ever done the, the cheesy classic testing, testing, and your mic wasn't on. And so we caught it before danger. Oh, heck yeah. Go, go us. The the the, shun, the sun shines fairly upon us this this eve, John. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a basement, so it doesn't shine too fairly. I can see it. There's a window over there. I can see nothing. Welcome back to Catechized. Good to be here. <laughs> the <laughs> podcast where we discuss the historic Reformed confessions and catechisms. I don't know why I say that. We we just spent very little time in the confessions, but we'll get there. It's a, it's the long game. Um, anyways, I'm your host Josh. With me, as always, is my co-host, the most holy Saint John the Divine. <laughs> the most holy. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, you are um, the superlative. I didn't say like of what like category you are the most holy the of. most holy person who lives in john's room yeah yeah there we go the most holy huff dare i say it Ooh. i think i think your younger brother's got you beat <laughs> yeah he uh he, he 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 tries harder probably <laughs> he he worked i don't know never mind. i don't know this what joke I'm saying. this joke probably sounds bad to people who don't know us and that i have good relationships with your siblings yeah (laughs) (laughs) also i took a joke out from last week's episode because i realized how bad it sounded to those who don't have the context oh i was basically talking about my mom um like trying to troll me on instagram oh and it sounded like i was mocking her you were just blatantly slamming your mom but i was doing an impression of her like trolling me and it just sounded bad yeah So, so that one's lost actually the first nine people who downloaded the episode got it before i edited it out really um, yeah <laughs> so, i don't know if that <laughs> so there's out there there's a few out there still with that <laughs> but i but i took the legendary <laughs> nine <laughs> they are uh they are, they are blessed a, beyond they, all measure <laughs> they are but a myth um <laughs> but yeah sometimes i take things out because i'm like that is totally fine except that not everyone who listens to this uh, would notice the context yeah that's fair <laughs> also it'd be like what the heck is he talking about anyway so yeah that too <laughs> all right so today we're talking about the westminster shorter catechism yeah. question 35 I you were just going to say ever heard of it i know i restrained myself that's good because i don't you, think i was gonna say ever heard of it i think i was gonna make a dumb joke about like oh yeah brand new thing we're doing here (laughs) (laughs) that's a favorite joke though i'm down with that every week yeah so we got a new thing we're doing this week we're doing westminster uh catechism here we got the question 35 question 35 it's on sanctification continuing to look at those benefits that are ours by our union with christ also you know how some people say like so it's the book of psalms but, yeah, but each one is an individual psalm this is psalm one yeah you know how some people say psalms one and you're like Come on. It's just one of them. It's like you're right, but also... (sighs) Yeah, so... Oh my gosh, another story that I just thought of. Anyways, um, our our pastoral staff does the inverse of that. And they call this the catechisms, the Westminster Shorter Catechisms, (laughs) as if each question were a catechism. Um, Have you ever noticed that during the liturgy? You know, I didn't actually, but that is very interesting. I'm going to listen for it. Both both Pastor Paul and Mark do it. They both do it. We're looking at the catechisms today, the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechisms, to yeah, be clear. And like it could be true, 
but because they are so specific as to say the Westminster Shorter Catechisms, <laughs> it's not right anymore. Guys, also, John, you know um, how we always kind of mock Psalm 1 in the message? Yeah. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't go to Skid oh, Row or Smart Mouth College. My favorite is Psalm 2, actually. Psalm 2 is great. Today is your birthday. Today is your birthday. <laughs> Anyways, they changed it. Do I they? was trying to like make. I was trying to show my students why I didn't think the message was good. Basically, read. I read the ESV and then the message, and I was like, "Which one actually is easier to understand?" Because the message says it, it's easier to understand, and I think it fails by its own standard. Because I don't think it's easier to understand. What does it mean that you hang out at Smart Mouth College? <laughs> um, but they changed it. It's like, oh, it's it's different now. So is it better way. now? No, it's just different. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, bummer. And I tried to find the old version, and I couldn't get it. Yeah, we're n- just to be clear, we're not like. There's not. We're not necessarily saying the message is heretical. We're no, just saying no. it's not the Bible. I just think it's not helpful. Yeah. It's yeah. Just like a, it's not helpful. It's kind he, of a summary of the Bible. Good for like a Bible study <clears throat> sort of recap type thing if you wanted to use it for that. But I wouldn't. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't. But I wouldn't necessarily bill it as this is my Bible. Yeah. You don't know? don't just read it for your own personal study. Here's the new one. You don't walk in the ruts of those blind as bats. You don't stand with the good for nothings. You don't take a seat amongst the know it alls. <laughs> Just I, maybe I guess know it alls is a little more clear than smart mouth college. Sin <laughs> <in> saloon. Sin <laughs> saloon. Uh, Anyways, uh, that's yeah. a well, stupid. Definition. We've already drifted far afield in <laughs> multiple directions. So true. Um, so um, yeah, sanctification coming at you. Uh, we're gonna do. Uh, we'll read the question. Then we've got. Well, I'll, I'll do the breakdown after we do that. All right. So. Sweet. Here we go. Question thirty-five of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is sanctification? And here's the answer. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Nice. Uh, one more time, the question and 35th question and answer of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is sanctification? Sanctification is the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled to more and more die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Sweet. So sweet. So we'll do. Uh, basically, we're gonna kind of do kind of a broad, brief look at that first clause in the answer. Uh, it's the clause that is common in all of these answers about the benefits of union with Christ, talking about the act of God's free grace, and then we'll look at the different component parts of sanctification and through use of. I'll, I'll, mainly Philippians kind of make some distinctions uh, in our understanding of sanctification and uh, maybe sanctification as compared to a Roman Catholic conception uh, for, for clarity's sake. It's not a, that's all in the, the regular discussion. Then I've got a, yeah. a, a uh, I almost spoiled the history of the week, a quote from a guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got a, a heresy of the week. It's Sweet. Good, good, clean fun. Yeah. All right. Let's do this thing. Okay. So the first clause in the answer is that uh, sanctification is an act of God's free grace. And that phrase has been reiterated again and again. And I yeah. think, first of all, it's it's great to see the consistency in the catechism and this reminder that scripture does indeed teach that every single piece of salvation is, as we talked about, monergistic. It is an act of God. God is the one who saves his people. And every benefit, uh, union with Christ is an act, is a thing that God does. Uh, faith that uh, and regeneration are things that God does. And the benefits um, that are ours 
are are the things that are that Christ has merited for himself. He was righteous. He is the son of God. He is perfect mm. and holy. And so we are justified, adopted, and sanctified. And so all of these things that are ours by in salvation are things that God himself does fully. And that qualification is kind of going to reappear later when we make some other distinctions. Yeah. But I think, again, that's a really good reminder that, that salvation is... Um, it, it's a gift and it is something God has done. God has done this good thing. Yeah. Uh, it, I think maybe even more simply, John Frame has an abridged version of his systematic theology. And it's a, it's the title is, is a quote from scripture and it's uh, salvation belongs to the Lord. Mm. Uh, and, and that's a good reminder. Yeah. I was going to say that the point is like, it's our salvation is not something where, you know, God flips a switch or gets us on the right track. And then we're like, all right, take it from here you know yeah. the rest is us yeah like it's all god all the way yeah um and that as we always say that doesn't negate any sort of responsibility given to us but yeah oh, you're putting the cart ball you're getting ahead of yourself there john boy well i'm just making it clear to the the masses all right so yeah yeah um cool so that's a cool that's a cool i guess reiteration at the beginning of this question then and then the next well, uh, let's. I mean, we should probably define the thing. Yeah, what, John? What is that's a good call. <laughs> what is? Oh, John is uh, again the most holy. Uh, he he just took a class on on how to be the most holy. Yeah, I think so that's I'm, what it's called. I'm the mostest. Two o two. There's not numbers. Oh, I guess there are numbers in in. I don't know. Great. Whatever. A class. It was about sanctification. <laughs> there we go. It was a bad joke that was drawn out, <laughs> thus made worse. Making it worse. John, uh, what is uh, like I. I know it sounds silly to ask this because the whole point of this episode is answering the question, what is sanctification? Yeah. And then the answer is the definition. Yeah. But but give us another definition of it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe an alternate angle or something. Yeah. So obviously the question itself gives you an answer of what sanctification is. But in I guess in in brief, sanctification is being set apart for God, being made holy. And there is both a immediate sense to this when we're when we become Christians, we are made holy before God through Christ. But there is also a sense, and you see this in tons of passages in the Bible, that we are made holy over time as believers as we grow in faith. And so I think it's yeah, it's Sinclair Ferguson who who says your buddy sink. Yeah, everyone who knows him even a little bit calls him sink. And <laughs> so like, Oh yeah, I was talking to sink the other day and, um, said someone, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, we digress, but he, he has a book called devoted to God. And that is essentially what sanctification is. You're being more and more devoted to God in all of your parts and all of your aspects made more holy, made more Christ-like and yeah. less. And your sinful self is diminished. So you are, more devoted to God and less devoted to self or yeah. flesh. Yeah. Um, so, so that's essentially what sanctification is, yeah. growing in holiness. Yeah, growing in holiness, being made more holy, being more devoted to your new Lord and less devoted to your former master. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And Bingo. I think that I think, I think that, that actually that your definition or, or summary connects well to the, the points in the catechism answer. Mm. who'd have thought yeah who would have thought that that amazing thing would be the case um and, and the 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 first i, I guess kind of the broad idea intro, like began in the answer to the catechism that you parsed out is is that 
sanctification is a renewal of the whole man. Mm-hmm. And you talked about all these different things that are being made new and, and, and yeah. stuff like that. And one of the ways that I kind of think, based on that de- that short piece of the definition, the renewal of the whole man that the catechism gives us and, and that was summarized nicely by you, is that a one way of understanding sanctification is, and this isn't full or complete or whatever but is, yeah. is is almost as if sanctification is an undoing of total depravity mm. in that yeah, yeah. sin has tainted uh and corrupted and enslaved the man fully and in every capacity to sin and those who are in christ who are justified who are adopted into his family are also having the grip of sin and it's um tainting of each of the of every piece of the individual uh being undone yeah Uh, it is the undoing of all that sin has done in a person yeah um and so whereas we were once totally uh, um corrupted by sin the corruption of sin it's it's almost like if you um you know oh john here i come with the pop culture thing instead of yeah uh (laughs) you know in Doctor Strange, when he like breaks into the library and he steals the the book that teaches you how to do time stuff, yeah, that they're all like, like upset about or whatever because it's yeah. like you can't use that magic because that kind of is bad or whatever. Um, and he goes to the apple core and he like turns the apple and it goes from a full apple to a an eaten like moldy apple, yeah, core, and then he undoes it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So in that in that scene, the twisting of time that makes the apple a moldy, rotten core is total depravity. And sanctification is when he turns back and that moldy core becomes a whole apple again. Nice nice job, Josh. It's John, it's no Prince of Persia, but it's good. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I Hopefully that's helpful if you've no, seen that is Doctor good. Strange or can conceive of an apple in your mind. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's was, was a lot of buildup. But, but, but no, that's a good point. And I think, yeah, the idea of something that was created good, totally fallen, sanctification is the process of fighting back and regaining all of that ground. Yeah. I... Uh, a semi-adjacent thing i was thinking of introducing a new segment called pop theology where (laughs) i give you at the end of an episode a theological concept (laughs) and you have to have a pop analogy for it by (laughs) by the next episode (laughs) oh that sounds hilarious so maybe we'll do that coming up (laughs) yeah that's funny Um, that would probably be enjoyable although i'd probably still have to throw them in you know midway anyway so um Anyways, but so yeah, but the, nice the, the renewing of all things, yeah, and, or the 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 taking of the moldy apple core and restoring it to a whole apple, yeah, if you will, <laughs> I will. Um, cool, <laughs> uh, and and yeah, so I think that that restoration of all things that have been tainted by sin, uh, the the body, the soul, the will, the affections, all of that is also nicely summarized as being conformed into the image of Christ, right? Yeah, uh, you said this like meme where, so there's that verse uh where paul says imitate me as i imitate christ <laughs> and i've seen a bunch of iterations there's of this so many meme, good memes of it but it's like this the one you sent was this big like ocean liner cruise ship i think it was like a battleship a battleship it was oh yeah, yeah yeah it was a big old battleship 
and and, and then, it said Christ. And it said Christ. And then Paul. There was a tugboat or something that was labeled Paul. And then someone was holding a, uh, <laughs> a like a clothes iron that looks kind of like a boat <laughs> above on, water on the horizon. <laughs> and they took a picture of it and it says me. <laughs> yeah. Basically, Christ is the battleship. Paul is like. Uh, a substantial still, uh, boat, but a boat. much less boat. Yeah, and we are a a, a clothing iron held <laughs> at the horizon. <laughs> right. Um, and and as as true as that likely is, that does get the picture, right? Yeah. That, that we are becoming more and more reminiscent of the thing that we are made to be. Mm-hmm. Christ incarnate is the perfect man, uh, and we were created to be perfect and sin ruined that and our redemption in Christ is the restoration of ourselves to what we were meant to be. Uh, and so as we are made more and more Christ-like, as we grow in our Christ-likeness in all ways, we are, that, that is what sanctification is, the restoration of us to the perfect man whom Christ is the, the one. <laughs> Josh, I have the best thing. Oh boy. Okay. This one, this, this legitimately fits perfectly. You've, you've seen the Disney movie Hercules. Yeah. Hercules starts by drinking this. He he's as a baby. He's like fed this like. Oh, he's, oh yeah, the the bottle of juice. Yeah, the, this the bottle god, of juice. God the, juice. The anti god juice. So it, it. Oh right. When right, he right. if he drinks the whole thing, it's supposed to completely remove his deity. Right. He will no longer be immortal. He does not drink one drop. Like there's one drop left that he doesn't right. drink. But um, but anyway, so the whole Hercules movie is him like, in the world being kind of a a little bit of a dunce with you know some extra strength and and the movie basically he's growing in strength and becoming more powerful developing as a hero until at the end when he 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 goes so far as to sacrifice his own life for meg in the uh her name is meg i think it's meg <laughs> i think it uh, is um, i forgot about that but sacrificing his life in the like lake of death and he doesn't die because he still has that Im- immortality, and he steps out of the water, and he's like, and Hades, and he's looking epic, and Hades, he's like, he can't be, and then the guys go, oh God, um, and basically, yeah. So the point is that sin has made us totally fallen, except yeah. So we would have drank the whole thing, I guess, <laughs> right. is the point there. But um, but sanctification is the process of renewing ourselves from our fallenness being renewed from our that's a way better way to put it (laughs) yep nice work (laughs) um yeah and and which i mean that that kind of way that we i think we've both probably miss misspoken maybe is a good segue into kind of the 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 wrestling with the way of talking about sanctification uh because so um this this is another one of the classic we the bible teaches human responsibility and divine sovereignty and we must assert both while preserving the biblical teaching that salvation is something that god does and so how do we talk about the fact that paul commands and demands and and requests and pleads with the christians to uh yeah to to persevere like perseverance perseverance of the saints that doctrine it's like god preserves all who are his and all who are his persevere like it's something they do yeah. but their perseverance does not contribute to or cooperate with god's preserving of his own um yeah. 
and and we are told to mortify the flesh, mortify sin, kill sin, die to self, live to Christ, put off the old self and put on the new. And all these things are imperatives. They're commands given to Christians that we are, um, we we do the things that are sanctifying for ourselves and we are responsible for doing things that are part of our sanctification. And yet the, we must remember what the catechism summarizes as the fact that, that sanctification is an act of God's free grace. Yeah. Um, and, and it is something that God does. And not something we boast. Yeah. And, and so our, not something to boast about or even contribute to. And so even when we are commanded to, participate in our sanctification our participation is in no way cooperation yeah the roman catholic conception uh is is um sanctification and justification are smushed together Mm -hmm. uh, and the idea is that uh, the, the roman catholic phrase is what god declares he also does so so he declares you righteous and then he makes you righteous through sanctification um both of which are made effective by your cooperation with them. Mm. It is not our cooperation that makes us saved. Uh, And I think a helpful way is maybe looking at parallels. Like we said earlier, um, our perseverance, our remaining faithful is to God preserve, like God preserves his own. God's uh, God's preservation of his saints is the thing that God does. And yet we are to persevere. Um, and so we look at the, that reality of salvation and faith in light of the two things that are often associated with one another, justification and sanctification. Mm. And the Bible says that we are justified by faith and we must believe, but our belief does not contribute effectually to our salv- our justification. We are not, uh, our, our um, faith is not a cooperation with the grace of God that then results in us being justified. So, Faith is to justification what killing the flesh is to sanctification. That God justifies his people, God sanctifies his people. And yet, we are commanded to to repent and believe, and we are commanded to work out our fear, work out our faith with fear and trembling. And we'll go to the Philippians passage that that's from in a second. But just like, we are commanded to to do these things, to do sanctifying things, but it is God who sanctifies. It is God who prunes the dead parts off of the branches that are attached to His Son, the vine. Yeah, I think I heard a I heard a, a pastor tell a story about a time he was meeting with a um, like a uh, basically a, a seminary student who was sort of interning as a pastor at a church, and he he had lunch with him and basically was like you know talking to him a little bit. And at some point, the um, uh, the the older pastor asks the younger pastor like how things are going with his church and with his own faith. And the the younger student basically is very honest, says something to the effect of like it's going well. There's you know some good stuff going on. One one issue that I'm having, he says, is that he is uh, he says he's addicted to pornography and that he's having trouble that's like causing issues. And so the older pastor asks him, well, what, so what are you doing about that? What steps are you taking? And the, the younger guy goes, well, I'm, you see, I should have told you I'm a Calvinist. And so we believe that, you know, it's all God's sovereignty. So when God chooses to take it, the sin from me, he will. And the older pastor's like, wait, no, 
that's that's not how this works. Right. <laughs> the point is is that when we are like oftentimes reform people get this bad rap that it's you know we it's all about God's sovereignty and therefore you don't have to do anything. And that's not the point at all. Right. When you read when you read the Bible, it makes abundantly clear at multiple points. I'm thinking of like Sermon on the Mount or Hebrews 12 where it says you have not resisted to the point of shedding your own blood. These passages where it it calls you basically almost to battle against sin, fight it viciously, realizing that it's not it's not like you alone are fighting it. It's God fighting through you. Yeah. But but yeah, so it, there is this distinct need for action in sanctification. It's not just this like I'm just gonna trust in God and like not address right. my own sin. That would be a, a kind of hyper Calvinist understanding where there is no such thing as human responsibility yeah or culpability yep and and in one way it's philosophically easier um Mm -hmm. and and so is the roman catholic understanding um the hyper calvinist view um takes sovereignty and says if god is doing it then i then i don't do anything yeah um which is irreconcilable with scripture you can't look at the bible and think that's the case yeah that um will not fly and the roman catholic view uh, is that God works and, and yet I must contribute. I must cooperate with the grace. Uh, and yet the Bible is clear that salvation is is a an act of God, that um, it is by grace you have been saved and apart from works. Uh, in, if we talked about the, the, the balance of, of Paul and James before, mm-hmm. I think. But it, there, the, the Bible is very persistent that uh, God saves his people, that justification uh, adoption, sanctification are things that God does in and for his people. And, and, and our, our participation in those, our having of faith, um, our living as adopted sons who mortify the flesh and live into the new self more and more are not cooperative in the, the grace of justification, adoption, and sanctification are made effectual by our cooperation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also irreconcilable with scripture. And so we have to live in this uncomfortable place where we say, yes, God is the one who does it all. And yet we must believe and uh, fight against sin. Yeah. And sorry that that's that's, uh, antinomous. Yeah. Yeah. Nice nice, word. Yeah. It's like a $3 word right there. Yeah. Um, I'd pay. (laughs) Just um, And so I think that maybe the most helpful passage to kind of address this or engage with this idea is, is Philippians. Philippians, well, in Philippians 1, Paul says, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will bring it completion to completion. And so that's kind of their, the, the qualification, the ground, the foundation of this idea, right? Who is it that does this, to, who works salvation in you? Mm-hmm. It's God. God, and God not only initiates it, but he completes it. I'm confident that he who began a good work in you, your salvation has begun by God, will complete it. The, the subject of the actions, the subject of the verb has not changed. He who the, began it will bring it to completion. God. Uh, your salvation is a work of God from beginning to end. Paul makes it clear. And yet later in that same letter, Paul uh, commands us to work out our faith with fear and trembling. But I think the sentence wherein that is found 
is helpful to the balancing of our discussion about yeah. it be, salvation, specifically sanctification, being a thing that is God's work only, and yet we are to work sanctification as well. Uh, Hit me with it. Yeah, that's uh, verses 12 and 13 of Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Mm. Uh, And Paul does not seem to be concerned that he is commanding the Philippians to work out their own faith with fear and trembling, even though he says... God is the one who works in you, not just you, the doing of it, but the, your own will, both to will, both to desire to grow in sanctification and to work for his good pleasure, both to want the things that please God and to then put that desire into practice and do the things that please God. Who's it that works? God is. And yet Paul commands the Philippians, work out your fear and work out your faith with fear and trembling. And so, and so what is irreconcilable maybe is reconciled <laughs> in the commands of Paul and the promises of yeah. Paul. It's just, I love how it's just like put there and it's not like, let me work through the complex reasoning here of the, the two sidedness of this. Paul's just like these things, you got it. Sweet. Yeah. Curiosity, not curiosity is good, but curiosity used to refer to a vice, a, 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 an undesirable flaw in a person where they wanted to know more than they were able and ought to know. Yeah. And I think maybe we stray into kind of classical curiosity with things like this, where where there is a limit to how much has both been revealed and how much is comprehensible by man. Um, and we say, well, we are commanded here to work out fear, work out faith with fear and trembling, but God who works in us, and 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 we are not told how it is that even we, even though we are responsible for working out our own faith, it is God who works and it's on him wholly. It's fully his work. We're not told how those things are compatible. Yeah. And yet they are. And, and so maybe we should just, just accept that. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was in a, um, this was several years ago. I was in kind of a uh, sort of, we'll call it a, a little bit of a shallow youth group event. And, one of the oh boy. one of the the leader basically asked us to go around and and share what question we would ask God if we could just you know slip into heaven and ask him a question real quick, and most of us went around and we were like, yeah, I'd really like to know, uh, you know, and it would just be these like very complex questions unaddressed in scripture, um, and you know, how does like predestination work and stuff like that, and then the old guy in the group basically just said like. I I don't think we're supposed to know that stuff. So I'd just ask him like, is my dog in heaven? <laughs> and I was like, you know, good that's on, actually yeah. a really good point. <laughs> like if God, God didn't tell me because I didn't need to know. Yeah. Yeah. What has he told me? Well, he's told me that I'm to work out my faith in fear and trembling. And he's told me that my own sanctification is a, his, uh, is a work of his own fully. Cool. Yeah, sweet. I'm about it. <laughs> I'm a fan. Uh, and yeah, and and sorry if that's not satisfying, I guess. Yeah. But but yeah, uh, it, it, we are called to die to sin, uh, to mature in faith, um, to live into righteousness, and that's the end, right? To grow in righteousness and grow in our lives of obedience and faithfulness. And that's what it is. That's what sanctification is. It is God's 
doing of those things that he has commanded us to do <laughs> in us, in and through us. It, God has commanded us to die to sin and live into life and righteousness. And sanctification is um, the work of God's spirit in us, completing those commands in us. Are you ready to move to the uh, history of the week? I'm ready to move. We're going to a vortex. We're, we're in an alternate <laughs> dimension. <laughs> we're going... <laughs> we are... Um, yeah, we're in the uh, inception realm of dreams here, and things are backwards, and... Oh, no, this is Tenet. Yeah, this we're in Tenet. Christopher well, Nolan, Tenet, reverse. Regardless, it's in uh, it's opposite day. John's going to do the history, and I'm going to do the heresy. All right. <laughs> Spoiler alert of what our nonsense way, was alluding way to. Way easier way to say that. Yeah. Um, all right, so, well, this is weird. History of the week. History Take it away, week. John. This feels so weird. Um, All right. So the history this week is actually, um, it's from, it's a quote from a book by J.C. Ryle, who is a um, a Christian, you know, pastor and theologian from the uh, 1800s. And, oh, is that the 19th century? Yeah. 19th century, 1800s. And he wrote, he he wrote this book called Holiness, uh, fitting, and it is just straight fire for lack of a better term. So I wanted to read a quote from this that I thought was really helpful. Basically, he's talking, so he's going through all these reasons why we should pursue holiness. And the last one he gives is that holiness is the thing that gets us ready for heaven. And so I'll just read this quote real quick. It's a little long, so bear with me here, team. Um, (laughs) I appeal solemnly to every... Sorry. Start quote here. I appeal solemnly to everyone who reads these pages. How shall we ever be at home and happy in heaven if we die unholy? Death works no change. The grave makes no alteration. Each will rise again with the same character in which he breathed his last. Where will our place be if we are strangers to holiness now? Suppose for a moment that you are allowed to enter heaven without holiness. What would you do? What possible enjoyment could you feel there? To which of all the saints would you join yourself, and by whose side would you sit down? Their pleasures are not your pleasures, their tastes not your tastes, their character not your character. How could you possibly be happy if you had not been holy on earth? Now perhaps you love the company of the light and the careless, the worldly-minded and the covetous, the reveler and the pleasure-seeker, the ungodly and the profane. There will be none such in heaven. I'm going to jump ahead real quick here. Think you that such and one would delight to meet David and Paul and John after a life spent on doing the very things they spoke against? Would he take sweet counsel with them and find that he and they had much in common? Think you above all that he would rejoice to meet Jesus, the crucified one, face to face after cleaving to the sins for which he died, after loving his enemies and despising his friends? Would he stand before him with confidence and join in the cry, This is our God we have waited for. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Think you not rather that the tongue of an unholy man would cleave to the roof of his mouth and with with shame, and his only desire would be to be cast out. He would feel a stranger in a land he knew not, a black sheep amongst Christ's holy flock. But yeah, I think that's a great quote because it points us to the fact that why, like, if you are not pursuing holiness, if you're not pursuing Christ on earth, what are you going to find in heaven that you want to do? Because that heaven is the purest form of that where we are with Christ, worshiping God, loving the Lord. Um, and so if we do not even if you fight for that on earth, what makes us think that we'll just start liking it in heaven? <laughs> if you've spent your whole life despising what is holy, 
why do you think that you that heaven which is holy would be a delight to you yeah 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 it's a very it's a it's a it's a really good point and and it, and it segues painfully perfectly <laughs> into the into the next uh the next thing yeah shall we do the old ye old heresy of the week uh sure if you're if you're ready that was a good quote um so yeah i love i love love the words of old timers you know <laughs> i know I, also there's just something about stuff written a while a while ago it just has a little bit of like a kick to it that you sometimes miss yeah they've they they, they knew how to they knew how to eloquently punch with wisdom yeah <laughs> yeah and actually, the further you go back, like, I mean, Kelvin didn't write in English, but he sure as heck punched when he, <laughs> he spoke. It was like... Luther dropkicked. Yeah. <laughs> Luther did... Like, I don't know if... Never mind. I was He, like, did that, like, jump kick where you double foot in the face yeah, the yeah. opponent. I or can't think of where that's from. He but did Hot Rod's ultimate, ultimate punch. Ultimate punch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Heresy of the Week. Heresy of the Week. Uh, uh, heresy of the week for those of you um may be familiar with discussions on sanctification um and and with other conceptions of sanctification you're not surprised to hear that our heresy of the week is purgatory bum 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 taking another swing at rome (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry but it Uh, must be done yeah sorry yeah whatever um so uh yeah, purgatory. Basically, there's some, I guess, little definitions that are helpful to the discussion of purgatory. One is a distinction in Roman Catholic theology that goes back to Thomas Aquinas, I believe, um, between venial and mortal sins. Mortal sins, if you die in a state of mortal sin, meaning you have committed a mortal sin, and there's not a list of mortal sins that you just may... It would be hard to think that having committed a, a murder, you would not be in a state of mortal sin. So yeah. it's like there, being a, in a state of severe sin, mortal sin, you are damned. If you die in a state of mortal sin, you are damned. It doesn't matter if you were baptized. It doesn't matter if you had been partaking of the sacraments up to the point where you committed that mortal sin. If you die in mortal sin, you are damned. Mortal sin is definitively condemning. Yeah, Venial sins are lesser sins, kind of everything else <laughs> for lack of a, a more Stealing robust a Roman Catholic yeah. um, theology. And, and, and so these venial sins are um, sins that uh, while are not enough to condemn and cause someone to fall from a state of justification. Right. So when you are not ba- enough to cast him into hell. Right. So, well, in, in so in Roman Catholic theology, when you're baptized, you are, uh, you are justified and washed with the waters of regeneration, literally, um, and then your life of faithfulness is a life uh, where, in your partaking of the sacraments, maintains that status of justification and grace, and your cooperation with grace um, perpetuates the state of grace into which you were baptized. And if you sin um, in a way that causes you to fall from that state of grace and justification, that is a mortal sin, and you have to really do a lot of the things in the sacramental system yeah. and penance and such to, to regain that status of justification. Um, but, it, but there are venial sins which taint and mar and stain a person without causing them to fall from the state of grace of justification. Yeah. And, e- and even though venial sins do not condemn an individual, venial sins are not permitted in heaven. Makes sense. Heaven, the, the, 
the dwelling of God is void of the unholy. Yeah. And so you and any stain that renders you unholy would not be permitted before God. And so the Roman Catholic present understanding of purgatory, well... <laughs> They'll get broad, you in the weeds. There's broad... There, yeah. There's, there's some weeds that you could get into. But purgatory basically is the place of purification where one goes to purge themselves of the remaining sins that they have not dealt with in this life. Yeah. You cannot enter heaven until you are sanctified, until you are holy, uh, and your venial sins uh, prevent you from being holy. And so if you die in a state wherein you still have are in a state of grace and justification and have not yet purged yourself of every sin, uh, you go to purgatory until such a time when every sin has been purged every venial sin has been yeah. purged from you so that you might enter into uh the presence of god and experience the beatific vision a roman catholic uh friend and co-worker of mine talks about a poem called the dream of garantius or something like that and i think it's by cardinal john henry cardinal newman john cardinal um the, sorry the I number <laughs> one catholic reference i feel like for every former protestant yeah <laughs> <laughs> cardinal john henry newman not gonna I, I they put the cardinal in different places whatever. yeah henry cardinal john newman no okay that <laughs> one feels wrong but i don't um, know i don't know regardless i think it's his i could be wrong anyways it's this poem where basically a guy is about to enter heaven looks at himself sees he's unfit and sprints with joy towards purgatory and dives in to the flame um, because he cannot bear the burden of entering with any stain on him. And so purgatory is a joy and a delight, even though it is suffering, because it, because it purges you so that you might enter heaven spotless. Um, and the weeds that I'm not going to get into basically have to deal with whether purgatory is spiritual only or temporal and spiritual. There's kind of a physical element to it, whether it has a an instantaneous, a brief, or a, sh a or a, a a very long duration that's changed in conception over the history of Roman Catholicism, um, and whether or not it is uh, sort of what what is the nature of the purging of sin? It yeah. is you doing the purging of sin, or you're suffering that purges sin. But what is the nature of that purging? Um, and so, it, it it sounds as if J.C. Riles is is teaching the theology that precedes purgatory mm. um you cannot enter heaven unholy you don't want to enter you wouldn't want to enter heaven unholy so like in the dream of gracious you jump into purgatory to be purged but purgatory is built on this foundation that our cooperation with grace contributes to the saving of an individual yeah. an individual's contribution and cooperation contributes effectually to the saving of that person Again, Roman, to say that Roman Catholics teach a salvation by works is a dramatic oversimplification, but they certainly teach a, a salvation by cooperation, which yeah. we would say qualifies Reduces for, down to something. Qualifies that works are part of salvation, which the Bible, I think, pretty concisely condemns. They would certainly obviously say that that's a wrong thing. It's hard to debate um, an idea with an opponent who's not present, but <laughs> yeah, but and I and one issue I've always had in discussing this with Roman Catholics is that, or honestly, in watching debates, is I've never heard a Protestant articulate the Catholic position correctly. Apparently, so oh, the, what I mean is just, oh, like they always like, well, that's not what we mean. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it's like, well, I just repeated your words back to you. And yeah. It, so it really does seem like, but no, that is true. And I've, I've, yeah, I get what you're saying. Anyways, um, not only is it built on this foundation of something that that I think is not I think, but seems that something that is biblically erroneous and error that yeah. that we do cooperate effectually with our salvation, but it also have we done purgatory already? Mm-mm. It also <laughs> it also I contributes. So. I don't know. Uh, it this <laughs> if if we have this is a further discussion of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it uh, lol. We definitely did. Did we? <laughs> yeah. What was it for? Oh, and we were. <laughs> Oh my gosh! All right, everybody. So it? we had, we had talked about um, purgatory a little bit in a in season three, episode two, with uh, indulgences. Oh, okay. And we were also planning to talk about purgatory with a later episode, episode eight of this season. But we're just gonna do it here because I've Sweet. already dug. I'm in too already. deep, and I'm trying to. <laughs> I guess you could just like cut the audio and save head. it for later. Instead of going under. I- Anyways, so purgatory, it, it also denies the completed work of Christ uh, as if Christ's death on the cross did not remove those venial sins. And so while, yes, we ought to seek and pursue holiness as J.C. Ryle properly instructs and calls us to, as Paul calls us to, yeah. it is not our doing the, th- it is not our mortifying of the flesh. It is not our putting on of the new self and living into righteousness that rids ourselves of the stain of sin. The taint and stain of sin has been removed by Christ on the cross and our sanctification and our growing in holiness is part of, of is the being conformed into the image of the son into whom we are incorporated and adopted. Um, but it is not a, dealing with sin sin has been dealt with yeah. and, and so purgatory again also flows out of that thing we talked about earlier where the um there is a confusion and a conflation of justification and sanctification yeah our sins have been dealt with we are righteous and now we are being made holy um that's a different benefit of union with christ yeah and last thing i and perhaps most obviously purgatory isn't really in in the bible so <laughs> also uh, so if, if if you don't have biblical evidence for it just cuz you might think it sort of fits in your conception of christianity if you don't have any biblical warrant for it it's harder to argue right right now that's the episode <laughs> all righty <laughs> um, thanks for tuning in um, we it's uh, yeah give us a like on Instagram and Twitter at catechize pod follow us uh, there uh, send us any questions or emails like hey what the heck did you just say to I'll send you one catechized at gmail.com and uh, and and and, uh, and yeah please like us and download and do the things on the on iTunes and stuff that that uh, that helps us out I don't know Um <laughs> Thanks. Catechize your kids. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.